Welcome to the Live Big Podcast featuring Dr. Derek Greer, where we teach principles from God's Word that will empower you to live big. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com. Here's Dr. Greer. Father, I'm going to talk, but you're going to teach, and we're going to give you all the honor for what you accomplished. And the church says, Amen. Amen. We're going to dig in. We're preaching from the prophets, and the prophets are supposed to get in your face. They're supposed to get in your business. That's why they're in the Bible. So uh, uh, that's what we're going to do, but you're going to be richer for our our time here. Haggai chapter 1, beginning with the uh, first verse. In the second year of King Darius, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai. Now, all these dates and stuff to us seem a little bit odd, but what we're going to discover is it was uh, only a matter of days before the people responded to, to this message. And I'm going to dig into that in just a, a couple moments. Uh, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Now, God only gave Haggai five very, very, very short messages. And he gave these messages only over a period of about uh, four months. But these four months changed Israel's history. And here's the deal. A message does not have to be long to be effective. If our hearts are open, it doesn't have to take a long time to turn things around and get things right. And and here's his message. He said, thus speaks the Lord of hosts. Then he said, he's speaking for God. He's God's mouthpiece here. This people says, now in my house, I don't know what your house is like, but when my wife begins a sentence with your child, Houston, we have a problem. When God says or calls his people, this people, and not my people, we know God has on a stank face, and it's about to get extra in the place there. This people says the time has not come. So what happened was God's people started making excuses for why they stopped rebuilding the temple. But here's something I know. The inevitable never gets easier by putting it off. And when we look back over our lives, the time we wasted most would be the times we spent not getting started. If not now, y'all would like the first service. And if not you, all right, there you go. He said, this people says the time has not come that the Lord's house should be built. You see, years earlier, they had started building the temple. And when they started on the, the, the foundation in particular, you know, hostility and incredible pressure uh, began to come from their neighbors. You see, when they had laid the, the foundation, the older generation had saw Solomon's temple. And when they saw the dimensions of, of, of the new temple, and they compared it to the original temple, They were so disappointed that people began to throw dirt in the air and they began to to weep and the rest. And and here's the deal. When when an original compares himself or herself with another original, it's a battle no one can win. And and here's the deal. God is doing something original in your life. It may not look like the last uh, time that this thing was done, but but what's really better, an apple or an orange? I mean, when when you look at it, they're both originals and, and one cannot be as sweet as the other. They can't be as tart as the other in order for them to be themselves. They have to be distinct. And that's why when you compare, no one wins. This people says, the time has not come 
that the Lord's house should be built. Now, King Cyrus had sent the Israelites, you know, uh, uh, Nehemiah and Ezra, he sent all those guys back from captivity for the sole purpose of rebuilding this temple. So again, after laying the foundation and they rebuilt the altar, the, the opposition got so strong that they just gave up and it resulted in a 16-year delay. Now, even in our, our own building project, we have faced some, some delays, but, but 16 years is difficult for any group of people. Verse 3, then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet saying, okay, I, I hear what you're saying. You, you're saying it, it, it's not time for the house to be built, but let's get real here since you guys feel like, you know, throwing out the timing thing. God says, okay, we're going to talk about time. Not time for me, but is it time for you? Now, when you read the Hebrew, there's special emphasis on the pronoun here, you. So it's not God's time, but somehow it's your time. So God says, is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses? Now, paneled houses came from the practice of laying, you know, cedar panels on the top of the basic stone that was in everybody's house, a little bit like what our homes looked like back in the 70s. But those of you that were here with us, everybody had paneling somewhere in their house. But this paneling uh, typically uh, was an indication of wealth. And, And in order for a person to have paneling, it meant that all the basic needs had already uh, been met. So obviously there was a level of prosperity in the land because they started the project, but, but we're going to watch what happens. Let's listen again. God said, is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses? Now what I need you to, to notice here, God did not rebuke them for having nice stuff. God doesn't mind us having some nice stuff as long as we don't put uh, stuff before God's stuff and, and God's purpose and God's plan, as long as you keep things in its proper priority, God's okay. So he said, now y'all live in y'all paneled housings and this temple lies in ruins. So y'all have paneling on your houses. You have chariots in your driveways. It's time for you to go to the next level, but it's not time for my house. It's not time for my purpose. It's not time for, 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 for what I'm, what's important to me to go to the next level too. Here's something I learned. It's only when we put God first that everything else falls into its proper place. And God said, and this temple, my temple lies. Why are you busy doing all that? In ruin. You see, our priorities are not what we say they are. They are what we show they are through our actions and our choices. See, there's a big difference between I can't and, 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 and you know what? It's really not important to me. Now, a lot of times we say, Lord, I can't, but God says, what you're really saying is you, you just reveal to me what your priorities are. Really what you're saying is what I want is just not important. He said, now therefore, says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. The Hebrew here is, is pictorial. And, and actually what it says is reflect on your life's roads. 
In other words, consider the direction you're going in and ask yourself, do you really want to go that way? You see, life does not just happen. We are all where we are for a reason. And if you don't like where you are, you might have to change some of your reasoning to make things come out a little bit differently. So God speaks to them and he says, consider, I need y'all to think about your ways. Now, many of us, we, we, we live lives spending money we can't afford to buy things we really don't need with money we don't have to impress people we really don't like. And God was saying to the people, hey guys, let's take a minute and let's think about this. Let, let, let's reason together. And he, he said, guys, how's this working for you? So, so he begins to take a little inventory in each of their lives. He said, I, I've been watching you guys and, and, and you're not lazy. You have so much. But I also notice you bring in little. So you're working hard, but you're not getting a whole lot back. You take five steps forward only to move back another five steps. See, they thought like we think, well, we're just facing a little, some hard times. We're just facing some, some bad luck. But here's the deal. Maybe God's trying to tell you something. Maybe your situation is God's voice to you saying, you might want to look at your priorities. Will anyone come back next Sunday? All right. If not, I'll still be here. Then God continues to dig in. He says, you eat, but you don't have enough. No matter how many potato chips, how many bags of Oreo cookies you eat, you're not satisfied. And their bodies began to grow sickly, and they received little substance and, and nutrition and, and strength from their food. But, but, but again, here's the deal. At this point, 16 years later, it was no longer their enemies or their neighbors that opposed them. The greatest threat in their lives was their own indifference. And then he continued, he said, you drink. God's been watching this thing, but you're not filled with drink. Water doesn't quench your thirst. Wine doesn't refresh your heart. But when our hearts stray from God, there's a homesickness we try to ignore, but we can't deny. And all of us will experience this homesickness, and we try to fill it with stuff. Distraction. We try, you know what, maybe I'll go to another game. Maybe, you know what, I'll turn on another show. And, and all this to distract ourselves from what we really know on the inside. That we're far away from the one who cares most. And God continued. He said, you clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. This, this, this whole people was like a woman going through the change. How many of y'all dealing with that? Turn down the, the thermostat, she's still hot. Sleeves with a sweater, she's still cold. How many of y'all probably been there? 
And God continues to read their mail. He says, and he who earns wages, earn wages to put into a bag with holes. So their money seemed to run out as fast as it was earned. And Haggai's whole message was, hey, guys, the reason your life is down is because you stopped looking up. And God says, he repeats, he says, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. The problem was not that they were doing anything wrong. That was not the issue. It was that they neglected doing what's right. And sometimes the issue is not what you're doing wrong, it's what you're not doing right. That is eating us alive. Ecclesiastes 6 and 2, this verse is going to help. We're going to read it in the NIV. The preacher says here, God gives some people wealth, possessions, and honors so that they like nothing their heart desires. Watch this. But God does not grant them the ability to enjoy them. One day I'm going to preach a message, the myth of more. Because many of us think the blessing of God is about more. The more stuff I get, the more blessed I am. But true blessing is the ability to enjoy what you already got. That's blessing. Thank you. Now, now I recognize everyone can't marry a Yurimitsu Greer. But you can't enjoy the one you do have. Your brother may have a bigger house, but when he comes over to your apartment, he'll see you enjoying your apartment so much, he'll get jealous even though he got more stuff. Because the blessing, not the stuff, it's your joy in the middle of hell. It's happiness in the midst of struggle. See, you think stuff's going to make you happy. That's your problem. You married that man saying, well, he going to make me happen. You get married, you stay married for just a little while. <laughs> or you married that woman saying, she going to complete you. <laughs> you putting the wrong expectations. That's a creature. Only the creator can handle that type of pressure. As much as my, I, I love my wife, she don't make me happy. No, no y'all don't hear what I'm saying. Y'all, y'all don't hear what I'm saying. You say, well, if I had a better car, better house, I'd be happy. The devil is a liar. Let, let me get back to the text, and, and then I'll, I'll dig in. Let, let me read it again. Let me, let me say this, though. I'm just going to digress a moment. I know a lot of people that got more stuff than me. Got bigger houses than me. They go on better vacations than, than I do. But here's the I, ain't, I have never met anyone that lives a fuller life than I do. And my wife and I were in our apartment. I was happy. She wrecked my new sports car. And we were sharing one car. 
Yeah. I was still happy. I mean, when we had, you know, no money and going out was going to Denny's. I don't know if we could show that, but um, we were happy. Matter of fact, the more stuff we got, the more busy we got with nonsense. You see, it wasn't her, though, that made me happy. A mad man married to a good woman is still going to be an angry man because you're going to find something. The issue is not your spouse. It's you. You ever hear the story of the man that had a cheese sandwich and he had some Wisconsin cheese that got stuck on his mustache and he didn't know it. So some new neighbors that moved in next door, so he went on with his wife to the neighbor's house. And uh, he looked at his wife, he's like, man, it's a nice place, but man, it sure stinks. <laughs> but here's the deal. That, that, that smell was him. Had nothing to do with the house, it had to do with what was attached to him. I, I remember when I was little, you know, uh, I lived in Jersey at this time, and uh, every now and then you'd find a, a, a loose dog. And uh, I was with some kids, and, and they little, you know, just do what little boys do when moms and dads not watching. The little tiny loose dog that uh, they decided, you know what we're going to do? We're going to, uh, uh, I don't remember, I, I, don't, I think the, the cans were from, you know, stretching them out, trying to talk to each other. I, I don't remember how we had them, but... What we decided we would do is wrap it around the dog's neck. I'm so sorry. Uh, uh, thank you for the blood. And, yeah. And uh, immediately the dog ran. What was amazing was as he ran, the cans would start making noise. And the faster he ran, the louder the noise. But what the dog did not realize was the noise he was running from was attached to him. And sometimes the things we're running from are really us. And if we would just slow down and do the proper cutting, we can be free and run on. Does that make sense? All right. Ecclesiastes said, God gives some people wealth, possesses an honor. So if they lack nothing that their hearts desire, but watch this. But God does not grant them the ability to enjoy them. The ability to enjoy life, the ability to enjoy your situation is the greatest gift God can give. Paul was in a prison cell, praising and worshiping God. They just beat his back bloody, rejected by those he went to preach to. But he still could lift his voice to heaven because his, his joy was, was not something the world gave. It wasn't based on circumstances. It was based on his God. And as long as you base your happiness on things that happen in your life, you're going to find yourself up and down, up and down. You know, if you wait till everything's perfect to be happy, you will never 
be happy. You know what? When I get that perfect man, I'm going to drop this one and get another one. You know what? When I get that perfect church, I'm going to leave this one and go to that one. And, and, and some of y'all need to leave some of the folks you're with and some churches you shouldn't even be in. I, I recognize that. But, but if you're trying to go someplace to get happy, you're just like that little stray dog running from things that you're never really going to get away from till you cut and deal with the real issues. Then he goes on and says, and strangers enjoy instead. How did this happen? This guy became so miserable, even though he had all this stuff, so irritable, so, so irascible to live with. That eventually his family left him. Everyone important was gone. So he had to pass on his, his inheritance to strangers instead of his own kids. And here's the thing. When we start chasing after stuff and try to make stuff what only God can be, there's this discontentment. There's an unhappiness. There, you, you, you can't get away from it because we were not designed for stuff to fill our hearts. I have a God-shaped thing on the inside of me, and only he can fill it. And then the writer of Ecclesiastes says this. He says, this is commentary. He says, this is meaningless, a grievous evil. Now, this grievous evil is also translated elsewhere in evil disease. You see, living life without the blessing of enjoyment, the blessing of contentment will eat your life up like a cancer. But Haggai was about to give his people an opportunity to get the blessing back in their lives. How many want the blessing back in your life? All right. Let's watch what he does. Back to Haggai chapter 1, Haggai verse 8. He said, go up to the mountains and bring wood. And watch this. And do what God told you to do before. No, you missed that. You say, why am I happy? Do what God's already told you to do. And you'll find that joy come back. Go up to the mountains and bring the wood and build the temple that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified. And what God was saying to the people is go back to building a life that pleases me. Go back to a life where my presence is the center. Get back to putting first things first and a priority on things that are really, really important, says the Lord. And then he continues. He says, you look for much. How'd that work out for you? But it came to little. You thought you'd be okay without me. But this world and worldliness is a cruel taskmaster. It will eat you up and spit you out. And burp. And then holler next as fast as it digests you. This world is cruel and it will suck the strength out of your life. It will get you focused on irrelevance and things that don't matter. And before you know it, you're 70 years old saying, What happened and what did I do? You look for much, but indeed it came to little. And when you brought it home and you, you tried to to do this thing called life without me, I blew it away. I was like, no, no, no. God is a jealous God. 
and he loves us jealously. Not a selfish jealousy. But God's like, listen, before you even conceived, all your days were written in my book. I pay so close attention to you. All your hairs are numbered. I, I, I know every single hair. I know the number of hairs that were left on your pillow. I mean, this is almost creepy, the type of obsession God has with you and I. He said, I loved you perfectly. I loved you unselfishly. Even when you sinned, I was able to look past it and, and, and get beyond it. I loved you perfectly, but you ain't got no time for me. You can do it without me. I gave you the breath in your lungs. I gave you that thought in your mind. You think you got IQ out of nowhere because you studied the book. I gave you the brain to even think in the first place. I gave you a body to even run for me and even go to work and do the things you do. You'd be nothing without me. But you think you can do it without my favor. You have been listening to the Live Big Podcast with Dr. Derek Greer. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com or follow Dr. Greer on social media.